0: epidemic. took a little week off to do our part two, obviously. Back in different clothes and, you know. Clearly. Different hats. Clearly, hat. yeah. And, that is on the side. Uh, that actually hurts. Um, yeah,
1: it doesn't look comfortable. Those hats are not designed to be worn on the side. Uh, absolutely not, Duncan. No, um, never do that again.
0: We are back for part two of our top 20 of 2022. Part two. Um If is you it... haven't checked out part one, link below and you can hear 20 down to 11 we are now going to get into our top 10s of 2022 um (laughs) on this video duncan's gonna kick us off with his number 10.
1: all right here we go number 10 the 10 that you know the 10 in 2022 that we didn't actually know we needed but we got (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah this is uh, death western by Ooh. spirit world on century media records mm. um i can't i mean kind of old school hardcore band mm. <laughs> which surprises me that it's on the list but then you hit play yeah. on it and you realize it's slayer as fuck yeah. Um, and then instantly it rockets up that list. <laughs> the, the thing about listening to Spirit World, and I wasn't familiar with them before. They had an album out before. This is our this is our follow up. Mm. And conce- conceptually speaking, the brainchild behind Spirit World has like has a, a book tied into this, and a, like an extended kind of um, a concept idea of a world that he's building in this dystopian kind of it seems like Westworld if Westworld had zombies and <laughs> and like priests that actually want to hurt you rather than rape you um, <laughs> I mean, that's not every priest but they know who they are um, and the net is closing the net <laughs> is closing um, yeah like uh, the thing about it is like I knew I was going to love it pretty much from when the first song kicked off you know that intro that builds up but as soon as those kind of Those toms kicked in, and you just got like good, like good old fashioned, kind of hardcore, shouty, angry vocals, kind of hardcore y thrashy sort of riffing, and incredible production. I was in. It's an album that doesn't give you anything you haven't heard before. It really, really, really doesn't, but it does it so fucking well. And so authentically, as well, that if you were to tell me that someone had remastered an album from '96, a hardcore album that I'd like, and I heard that, and you're like, oh no, they've re- remastered it and updated it, and all the rest. I could believe that it's all mm-hmm. banera. It's weirdly tin capsule showed in on that one, but the album is just fucking full. I mean, full. Of just some of the most headbanging riffs you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, gang vocals, just snarl, um, like blatantly influenced Slayer riffing. Um, mm-hmm. and an amazing production that kind of underpins it all. And it's an incredibly Moorish album. It's just one that this is like my like my go-to I feel angry Duncan Smash album. <laughs> um Because it does, every single time I switch on, it just distills aggression in the Mm. most satisfying way. It's not an album in a million years, if you were to break down the component parts and say to me, oh, this album's going to be in your top 10 for 2022. I would ever say would have, but that just hit me right. Mm. And it's another album that appears to be getting a bit of traction, which kind of makes me happy because this guy... (laughs) This guy was supposed to be writing a book and accidentally wrote an album. Because um, <laughs> we're all that talented, yeah. um, so imagine—I oh, said it in the review. Imagine what happens when he sets out to write a fucking album. Um, yeah, like Death Death Western is a is a fucking great album with all the nods to to kind of old school hardcore and and, and thrash. Uh, just delivered any really satisfying, very brutal, very upfront cunt album. Um, mm. It's excellent. I, I absolutely love it, and I'm glad it's in my top 10. I've played it an insane amount since it came in. <laughs> so number 10 for me, Spirit World, Death Western on Century Media Records.
0: Nice. My um, number 10 was released in back in July on Nuclear Blast Records. Um, it was the band's second full-length <laughs> album. <laughs> Um, and one that was kind of highly anticipated by a lot of people um, it was Pathos by Conjurer um, this is this is one of those albums that I listen to constantly for like a couple of weeks and then I maybe like have a little break from it for like a, a month or so and then when I come back to it I kind of like fall in love with it all it's over heavier. again it's heavier yeah.
1: when you come back to it you, like, <laughs> it you does, think you remember how heavy it is until you get played and then you're like oh fuck
0: yeah Exactly, and if you've heard the band's uh, debut, Meyer, then you you get a kind of rough idea of what to expect. But at the same time, you get so much more on Pathos. Like this is still within the kind of sludgy, filthy, you know, soaked kind of post metal with a bit of hardcore vibe uh, kind of thrown in there. Um, but you know, Conjurer have taken the almost like the best parts of of Meyer and then sprinkled a whole load of new ideas, and then put it through some sort of fucking pat testing for albums and <laughs> not small appliances just to make sure that it was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, this album has everything. you know. It's twisted, it's contorted, it's miserable. It'll pile drive you through the fucking floorboards. But it's also an album that's soaked in contrast and constantly yep. drags you between these colossal discordant grooves um, that are kind of counterbalanced against these huge sprawling, uplifting layers of melody. Um, both musically and vocally um, you know, little, those little bits of melody on tracks like um, All You Will Remember just opens their sound up even more um, but I think the most impressive thing for me is the kind of structure and the, the foundations of this album they are extremely solid mm-hmm. um, and then that allows them to kind of build layers of texture and atmosphere on top of each track Um, and it just hits with like this huge impact every every song feels just you can feel the energy on each track um you can feel the the intensity in every chord you know every drum hit the vocal lines nothing feels nothing feels off the cuff here but you know it never feels like they're winging it but everything is there for a reason um and it also doesn't feel too regimented either um the album flows really well it feels organic the way each track transitions into the next um, and you'll just kind of get deeper and deeper into it on every lesson. Um I've I've rinsed it so many times now, um, and even like what like fifty odd minutes, it, it doesn't feel its length to me at all. It just kind of flies by when I when I listen to it. Uh, so that's my number ten, Conjurer and Pathos. Number nine, Duncan, take it away. Oh
1: yes, oh yes. This uh, this came this this came off the back of our reaction video where we were all pretty blown away. But on the lead-up to the reaction video, I was like, I remember Mantar. I remember what they sound like. Just, like, really, really, really really extreme and angry. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready. I'm strapping myself in for just, like, that's not what I was expecting. Um, Yeah, so come, come... comes to realize that mantar and the background were heavily influenced by kind of early 90s grunge turns Mm. out it was their thing um so much so that they actually released a covers album of early 90s grunge tracks Mm. and maybe that was one of those things where they got out of their system they were gonna come back and then we listened to pain is forever and this is the end and out out on metal blade records and come to realize actually this album is soaked in it but Mm. it didn't compromise any way shape or form the the extremity of what the band actually push um this is a this to me is like like um, mantar like leveling up to like uh, like a like a huge size for a band that consists of two members (laughs) um it's It's fucking huge Simden like it is so massive Simden, and it has all those big sludgy dummy riffs, those extreme moments of like vocals that sound like the singer is like gargling shrapnel um and yeah, it has like a ton of melody in it as well, not not like singable melody, mm. but like screamable melody. Yeah. It's all in there. It's incredibly well structured. It's it, it's got tons of of piss and vinegar, and it, it just delivers. Like every listen, It's one of those albums that, like, as soon as I listened to it, I was like, "Did we just become best friends?" Um, and I kind of, I'm kind of still on board with it. I think it's an incredible album. The the stories in the background are that it pretty much. Like, like, almost sunk the band. They were mm. just in like a horrible headspace when they made it. But sometimes the best art, the most worthwhile listens, are birthed from the most traumatic experiences, and it's all on display here. I think this is a, a testament to what hard work um, and not being shackled to one particular idea of what a sound should be. Mm. and allowing yourself to continually explore the, the music and elements that interested you in the first place to start doing what you did. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible album. I, I, I absolutely love it. And from the moment I first listened to it right the way through, it snuck on to that 10, even though it was a like a, a late July, early August release. But mm. we'd already got in for review. and We'd already reviewed it. The video just hadn't dropped yet. So we're like, it counts. Yeah. Um, and it's still it's still on it's still on repeat i think they've done something kind of amazing like mm-hmm. if a band like Caven is showing this new side and like uh, like an elevated sound to them and a band like stake who are five albums into their career were showing that as well i think the same can be said for for mantar who are about five albums into their career as well and i think only finally hitting the sound which kind of feels like they've been leading towards this forever um, yeah absolutely I love it uh, we checked out the track Odysseus yeah. um, back for for a reaction and I did I was genuinely concerned that because I knew what they sounded like as a band that when I found out it was a closing song I'm like right that's them doing their a little experimental thing at the mm. end and the whole album is full of it, it's, it's fucking awesome, mm. I love it um, it's Mantar, Pain is Forever and this is the end, available on Meta Blade Records and it's number 9 on the list
0: Nice. Um, number nine on my list. Uh, bit of a surprise mm-hmm. on uh, my number nine because. Kill
1: surprise.
0: I had never, <laughs> I had never heard of the band before, um, but for good reason because they hadn't released anything about. Well, sh- oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually, <laughs> I was about to say that's, that's a good. That's, Dave, you know what? You can't know everything. Yeah. Right. The that's internet true. tells you otherwise. That's true. But you can't know everything. <laughs> No, you can't. They're not released anything in 10 years. If a tree falls in the woods, Dave, and you're not there to hear it, then it make a sound.
0: <laughs> well, this is a question, Duncan, that I'm not going to answer right now, but <laughs> I will tell you a little bit about this new album from Earthrise and the new album Until We Rest Beneath the Winter Way, which was self-released on October 14th. Um, yeah, they are a Minneapolis um, yes. band that could be described as a kind of post-metal band but um after running through this album you realize that earth, earth rise are actually a little bit more than just a post-metal mm-hmm. band um it has the uh, the dense post-metal heaviness but mm-hmm. it's also intertwined with a more atmospheric side um something more in line with a kind of spacey almost mm-hmm. like a space rock or a shoegaze or a kind of post-rock um And I think in that kind of mix of styles um, and kind of levels of intensity, um, along with the band's creative way of piecing together each track, um, it's the main reason I was so into this. Um, It's it's an album that, you know, it's maybe over an hour long, um, Mm -hmm. but I never felt at any point this release was just reusing the same ideas or arrangements. Um, they, they very cleverly, out from
1: the guitarist, they are that's just hidden very carefully. Yeah, yeah, they... me and said, Listen to yeah. this moment on the album, then jump forward four tracks, and then listen to this moment on the album. And I was like, They're the fucking same, <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> but is they... real. The government's behind it all. <laughs> and I started wearing a tinfoil hat for a week and a half. <laughs>
0: they very cleverly don't linger on a, an idea for too long. Um, which is a little different for a lot of kind of post metal because it, it works brilliantly because you feel kind of totally hooked into this for its entirety. Um, there's there's so much going on here, but a lot of it is the kind of detail. The kind of the devil is in the detail with this album, um, and it's it's one that you'll hear something new on every listen, um, mm. which which kind of makes it more rewarding. Um, although it does have like post metal at its core, that, that riffs are not always predictably post metal. They do often use like a, a more kind of odd time signature, or you'll, they'll add a little bit more intricacy into the riff, which just makes things even more kind of fast fascin- and fascinating to listen to. Um, a, a track like "Generation Loss," for example, there's lots of stops and starts with interesting rhythms. It's lots of very different you know textures, um, and the guitar work um, is fantastic, along beside the, the the clean vocals, which is another reason for loving mm-hmm. this album. Um, it doesn't doesn't feel like there's a, any part of their game here that isn't up to par, um, even when they throw in these melodic vocals and they you know they take the tracks tonally into different areas. Um, I think it's it's a really special album um, and it's one that just hooked me in from the the get go. And I hope hope they don't take another ten years to do another one um, <laughs> because that would just be devastating if that. It was sounds the case. like they won't.
1: Um, no, I'm so. To like when like when like because both yourself and myself we, we obviously communed with with uh the guitarist one of the, the chief songwriters and when he was like that oh yeah this album was written in 2012 2013 mm. and i was like huh <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> was like oh yeah we've, we've continued writing in between so fuck knows what that new stuff's going to sound like yeah. but if you've got that amount of time Mm. Um, I don't think we're going to have a huge amount of time in fact they self-released it as well I don't mm. think we're going to have that much time to wait before before something else nah. comes our way I may nah. be talking about this later on so. yes. uh,
0: yeah that's my number 9 Earthrise until we rest beneath the winter way so moving on number 8 Duncan what you got for me
1: well I thought this was obscure but in the previous video you told me everyone's now sucking on the, the subtle supple of the the callous Dead Boys. Um so yeah, celebrity therapist it's on MNR uh, records. Kerr. <laughs> <M-N-R-K-er>. R- <laughs> uh are you occur? <R-U-R-ker>. Um MNR records. <laughs> um I had never heard of them before. We did a reaction video, which is kind of like some people hate doing reactions. Not I, unless it's against Nickelback videos. <laughs> <Hey>. um, I, <laughs> I'm just telling you that <laughs> same Queen Easy, Um The the thing that I found most interesting about the reaction we did to the Callista Boys song single, whatever it was, that oh, like how much I was just in from the off just like just hooked straight in um it was bizarre it was out there it was sporadic um they had a violinist who was using an electric violin in a really interesting way to play sims that a synth could do but fuck that they're gonna do it on a violin um and it had this kind of almost kind of beat poetry meets fucking freestyle jazz meets every time i die like orgy like thing going on where it was just like it, like it was holes being plugged everywhere and things going in places that shouldn't um but i was there for all of it and you know like i'm happily touching my penis um <laughs> i think i genuinely think it's one of those albums where you can't stress what the experience of listening is like in any way shape or form that does justice to the listening experience mm. like you can throw all the words like, like you do like word soup Um, on someone just throwing everything at it and I I don't think it does justice to what they do and I want to stress it is like everything in the kitchen sink on the album but it is crafted and written so well that none of the changes don't work Hmm. which I that's the thing that baffles me there should be at least one turn this album does where I'm like that Uh, the one step too far Um, and it never is and then added to the fact of that every genre every style that they do they're impeccable at so it's not just like a we're going to do like an 80s rock riff and it's the most generic 80s rock riff you've ever heard it's like everything is crafted supremely their use of instrumentation the, the, the balance on the album the actual flow of the album as well is just it's a masterclass and how to write challenging, complex music, but not compromise or understand that music that can have hooks. And the yeah. album has hooks as well, easily. It could have more if they wanted to, but they don't do it, which mm. I can admire them even more for. Um, it's an incredible album. It really, it really, really, really is. Uh, I think it's like up there with some of the best that Dillinger Escape Plan ever released. Yeah. Um, and I get the feeling, once again, like a lot of these bands, a lot of the bands that we're praising are, are lavishing a lot of praise on are young bands that don't have, like, 20 albums out or, like, you know, like, decades of experience. They're young bands that mm. have appeared to have cracked the Matrix already. Um, and with a band like this, I, I I could not tell you remotely what I would think the next thing they do is going to sound like at all. Yeah. No. But I'll tell you that, I'm so excited for that. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's an incredible album. It's a great label that's behind them. Actually, fair play to MNRK who are who are like signing some like much more heavier bands to go along with their established crowbars. Um yeah. like, this, is, this, is a, this is an album that's never going to shift millions. Mm. But on paper, and if things were if things were equal on musicianship alone this 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 album should shift a lot of units which surprises me we mentioned it before when we did our video review for it no one was talking about it mm-hmm. and I, I am confused by that cuz there's a good label behind it mm-hmm. and musically how could you not want to talk about this album yeah. even, if, even if you don't like it mm-hmm. how cuz it's an album that demands discussion yeah um i just happen to be on the side that's right that this album is fucking awesome. And it's in at number eight. The Calistow Boys Celebrity Therapist, MNRK. I want Star Baby played at my funeral.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Done and done. Don't you worry about that. Um, Number eight for me um, comes from a wee band from a Nordic country in Northern Europe. A little place (laughs) called Norway.
1: I think I've heard of it.
0: <laughs> yes, um, another album that didn't really appear in any of the big publications in 2022. Surprise! But uh, um, no, no,
1: no, no, no. That's because that they were championing albums that were worth mentioning. Llama <laughs> God, Slipknot, Shite, Machine Head, <laughs> The Architects. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the it's the it's the 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 big four, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: The big four that no one should be listening to. No,
1: no, no, never.
0: Um yeah, uh released on May sixth on Maskina Recordings, probably the best band name of twenty twenty two. I'm not gonna laugh at it though. <laughs> You're laughing muff. at it though, come on. <laughs> big muff 68.
1: Why not uh, 69? Come on,
0: it's too on the nose.
1: It's it's the <laughs> it's too on the nose, though. If it's on the nose, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh right, <laughs> it's where it's supposed to be, there's <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, a big muff, though, so maybe it just can overlap. I don't know. Yes, it is. overthinking Wimmer? it now. I'm overthinking
0: um, it. Swing Metal, um, is their new album. Um, I it makes me so happy that this album makes you so happy yeah
1: because it's such a fun album it
0: is it is, it is a feel-good album, yep. I feel good album 100% a feel good I love this band um, they made a thought of uh, members of other bands so if you've heard of like Incense Shining Beaten to Death Circus Maximus um, all members from those bands and then they've put together um, an album that I could pretty much listen to at any time of the day, like whatever my mood is, this album is just perfect, like it's as I said, it's feel good and it just touches me in places that I like to be touched
1: in the big muff,
0: if you know, you know' good <laughs> <laughs> um it's titled Swing Metal, but it's not a swing metal album per se. Um, although it does touch on that flavour at times. Um, this is a mix of like metal, blues, groove metal, progressive metal, Americana, gospel, rock, and the list goes on. Keep going, um, yeah. But like, even though there's so many styles, it doesn't sound like just a mishmash of styles thrown together. Um this this all works unbelievably well and manages to sound very cohesive um, for an album that contains so many styles. I think I think it it flows brilliantly, and the the transition between styles and tracks are all done very organically. Um, and I think I think that organic feel is what kind of pulls me in. Um, it's it's not overproduced. It's mm-hmm. it's very natural sounding. There's not you can tell. There's not a lot of you know a huge amount of studio tweaking being done. Um, but when you listen to the other bands that they are in, that you know some of those bands do share that kind of similarity as well. Um, there are hints of um, the Norwegian band Incense at times and the more kind of progressive moments uh, but almost, also has this kind of like almost kind of Tropelium-esque New Orleans streak mm-hmm. um, and I think I mentioned it before Freak Kitchen as well, they got that kind of quirkiness to it um, musically it's just very well done um, but as I said they all come from you know, other kind of named bands so you might expect that quality um, vocally is where I think the album shines I've, I've gushed over this guy massively before so I'm going to keep this you know once or twice Um, but yeah I think I just I love his tone I think he's such a versatile vocalist and I think again the way they've kind of recorded and produced this album by leaving in all the little mistakes and glitches it kind of adds to the charm Um, for me um, it very much sounds like they just went and like picked the most energetic and charismatic take especially vocally you know rather than just trying to find the, the most perfect recording of it yeah um, and I, I read another review of the album that, that criticised it for that, but I, I think they kind of missed the point on it, to be honest. that's
1: character. It's Absolutely. an album that demands character vocally. If the yeah.
0: vocals are too
1: clean and, and too perfect, it completely takes away from the ethos yeah. of the band.
0: Totally. Yeah, I think sometimes the, the, the kind of emotion and the delivery of something that is way more powerful than a vocal take that is pristine and not perfect. We've spoken about this before.
1: Like, see when I hear a vocalist's voice crack because yeah, yeah. they're screaming that hard, yeah. to me is like, like haunts me more than someone delivering a pitch-perfect yeah. fucking scream. Mm-hmm. Because I know that that guy that's doing the pitch-perfect scream, you don't really have to reach for that. it's yeah. just that that's in the bank. Right, but when a guy like physically screaming and his voice is breaking to mm. hit that, that is someone giving everything he has in that take. And yeah. Probably has several times before, yeah. which is why his voice is breaking now. Yes,
0: absolutely, um, and that's what you get. There's, there's just the feeling on this album that has a ton of feeling and personality. Um, as I said, it's, it's such a feel good album. It's, it's very playful. You know, you've got a brass section in there, your Hammond organ in there, yeah. and they scatter that through the album. Um, but even in the kind of slower, more kind of pulled back moments, I, w- I was totally in as well. Um, it felt believable to me, um, and and that's why it ended up in my top ten. Um, and I was glad to see I wasn't the only reviewer. Um, on the site that had it in their, their their lists either, so that was really cool to see. I, well, you I,
1: did threaten to find people if they didn't put on. Well, I mean, I'll
0: I mean, I took, the, I,
1: took the, I took the hit, <laughs> yeah. to I but you know, I mean, some of them, some of the other reviewers, they, yeah. they don't want the gravy train of albums to be cut True. off, Dave. So that's quite new, yeah.
0: yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that is my number eight, uh, Big Moth, sixty-eight, and swing <laughs> metal. <laughs> uh, moving on to number seven.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned this in the previous video. You had a lot of good things to say about it. I held my wish. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're Scottish and we can say that. But all the Scottish people know what that means. Um, number seven for me is Ithaca and They Fear Us oh. on, wait for it, Hassle Records. I mean, Hassle Records. It's the last Hassle Records on my list, but it's one of one, two, three... Four, Hassle record Hassle Uh made it to my final list this year. Hitting it, the part man, hitting it, that nice. part. Um, yeah, Ithaca. previous album, good. Mm. New album, incredible. Yeah. Um, and like, you strip everything out, it is a metalcore album, mm. right? At its basic level, it's a metalcore album, but it's like, not shite. Uh, right like like like, like metalcore uh, like has an era for me and everything past that era has been shades of just do something different with it Mm -hmm. i find metalcore is usually good as a as a kind of backdrop to more interesting music a great example of that is we listened to was it invictus last year Mm -hmm. um who had that kind of metalcore streak going through there but it literally sounded like someone was like all you can listen to for the next three days is Shadows Fall, they'll Switch <laughs> yeah. Engage. They're yeah. going write an album, and that's what came out of it. Mm. Um, what Ithaca do is they very cleverly weave in lots of other stuff to make their music. Very, very, very interesting. and mm. uh, It's the, get the old uh, Metal Epidemic almanac out. It does take you on a journey, dude. i oh, really wow. interested. I think this may maybe the first time I've done that. We've been through <laughs> a few albums already. It does. It, like It's a smart, clever journey as well, because always at its core, it has that thick guitar, um, bass drum, metal core thing going on. Mm. But all the other elements on top of that are what really change the dynamic of the sound. Yeah. Which is smart. It's like you, the rest of the band don't need to compromise any aspect of that heaviness to ingratiate any other sound. No, 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 no. We'll make the other sounds fit on top of that. And that is, in some respects, it's not only smart, but it's hard to do and make it work well, to make that balance work. And Ethical nailed it. Mm. It's in part through very, very, very clever production. Um, you know, the production on this is fucking immaculate you could eat your dinner off it as that clean um but also at the same time i think it's the band starting to understand the game a bit better like of what you can do when 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 you've mastered the, the the kind of solid backbone of what you're doing it opens up the opportunity to experiment more on top of that and it felt like every choice uh critically worked on the album and as a result, there's no there's no weakness on here at all. Uh, it puts forward a very very confident, very accomplished and very mature album. Two albums in, yeah, which is uh, just, uh, frustrating. Like like some bands take years to release an album as confident as a, and as assured as this. Um, the Fear is is just it's it's just really 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 well done. The lead works great. The guitar riffs and hooks are awesome. And then the vocals, we've already spoken about it. A tone that, when it's snarly and screamy, doesn't sound like generic angry chick. There's so many bands that have that generic angry chick where you can't differentiate the sounds. She's got punch and intensity behind it, but Mm. tone as well. It's all tonal. And then you have this beautiful, clean vocal that she just holds in there. That's all primarily in the mid-range. And it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful listening to it. It's, it's full sounding. And yeah, by the time you get to the, the the final track on the album, you're already sold. And then the last track on the album is just the cherry on top of the sundae. Mm. Um, and it's fucking awesome. It's like my biggest regret last year um, with all the things. My biggest musical regret last year. Uh, let's quantify it because a lot of things I should have done last year that I didn't. <laughs> um but my biggest musical regret last year was not seeing them live mm. um because I, I i i think the i i think they'll be even better live yeah. on album they're incredible and i've come back to i don't know how many times and it's another clear example of another uk bass band like just rising up this year um and yeah, two two albums and fucking ridiculous. Oh. It's just it's silly. It's silly when you think about it, but it's incredible. Number seven for me was Ithaca. The Us. It's available on Hassle Records, and if you've not listened to it, then you are a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> also, they tweeted that on one of their gig dates, like a uh, Janet Jackson happened. You know what I mean? The titty oh, really? came out. The titty came out. Oh right. Yeah, which. <laughs> well, why weren't you there with your camera Dave because we're perverts we're men we can say that um, but yeah and apparently I think she just whipped it back in and never missed a beat professional as fuck two <laughs> albums in like see my dick fell out when we were playing live I wouldn't be able to stop playing the song it'd be flopping about the place
0: <laughs> caught in your rip and...
1: yeah I would not yeah. be able to flip it away until the end of the track no. she's a fucking pro though was back in it and she never missed a beat never missed a note <laughs> I don't know if she didn't miss a note. I'm going to assume she didn't miss a note. Ithaca, they fear us. Hassle Records, number seven.
0: Awesome. Uh, Moving on, my number seven comes from the incredibly talented Cripple Black Phoenix and their new album, Banefire, released on September 9th via Season of Mist. Um, Yeah, obviously, you mentioned this one in our first video, but just oh this album mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it, as you mentioned it's, it's quite a behemoth you know it's an hour and 40 minutes long um, and I think like we'd spoken before we'd reviewed the album we're both like fuck this album is yeah, like I mean-
1: yeah, we oh, joked. About, yeah, we we joked about when we saw the run. T- in fact, actually, we did. If you remember rightly, Dave, we did woolly maths in your car. That's right. Trying to work out where the length of the album came from, and yeah. neither one of us could find out where the length came from. Yeah. I was like, every song needs to be at least fifteen minutes long for it to justify this. And I was like, but this track's three and a half minutes long. The math doesn't work. No, it's an hour and forty long. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I remember thinking when I was looking, I was like. I might need might need a wee wee lie down after this first spin of this album, you know, a wee midday mm-hmm. nap or something like that, you know, which my work would probably frown on, but you know, if it needs must and all that. Um but there was something about this album that that grabbed my attention um because after the first listen, um I couldn't stop thinking about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, although it, it, you know it was an epic listen, it, it didn't didn't put me off. Um, no. It was in those like further listens um, that they, this album just kind of came to life for me. Um, musically, very diverse, you know, flitting between the kind of melancholic, kind of dark rock, folk, post rock, a little bit of prog in there as well. But it's also a very immersive album, and if you know me, I love a wee immersive album. <laughs> um, you'll notice that. A lot from my picks in my top 20. Um, and with this being over an hour and a half long, this is the perfect album for that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a clearer chunk out of your day to listen to this album. Just put the headphones on, be completely absorbed in it. Um, the songwriting on this is unbelievable. Um, we, As we mentioned, we kind of came late to this band. Um, I hadn't heard you know, previous albums up until this one. But I was just kinda of blown away with the different tones and shades of darkness that they offer up mm. um on this album. It's such an intriguing listen. Um no two songs sound the same, um, believe it or not, on a, an album that's an hour and forty, but you know, they're you can tell they're all clearly painted with the same palette of colours by the same artists. It's a, a very hypnotic album as well, you know, the way it kinda reiterates certain themes and ideas, but it never feels repetitive at all. Um even like tracks like uh, "Rose of Jericho," which is over thirteen and a half minutes, you know what I mean. But there's Only. so much, yeah. There's so many layers to it. Like even and even if the guitars do repeat a certain phrase, you know, there's there's something over the top of it that constantly changes and stops it from feeling, you know, feeling repetitive. Whether that's lead work or brass or synths mm-hmm. or you know all the multiple vocal styles I've got, and that's the kind of beauty of this band that they give you so much to indulge in. Um, they're just such a a talented bunch of musicians, um, and we witnessed that firsthand when we saw them in Glasgow. It was just, you know, it ended up being my favorite gig of the year just because it, it blew me away how ridiculously talented these guys and, and girls are. Mm-hmm. Um, they they put on a show that night like it was just unbelievable. Last night of the tour, uh, they pulled out all the stops, and it, and it, yeah. it just again it kind of like Caven It made me appreciate this album even more when I heard it live, just seeing what was involved in each song and how they. Switch between instruments and the the multiple vocal styles depend on the track. Um, just a such a special gig, um, one that I won't forget anytime soon. But this is just it just feels like 100% authentic. You know, full of depth, full of character. There's there's nothing here that feels thrown together. It's very well crafted, um, and I'm 100% certain that when this band come back with their next release, it's probably going to sound completely different to B-Empire. yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> they I, I, you know they don't do the same thing twice um you know and it, yeah but just because the number of styles and genres they cover on this album you know the next one will be a complete shift in another direction um and i kinda i love the, the there's a, a bonus track on this and i kind of love it for that reason because it goes mm-hmm. in a direction that you don't really hear on the rest of the album uh, it's called no regrets and it's just a way more extreme, track than anything else that you'll hear on Banefire. It's very blackened, almost like blackened hardcore. Um, Scaling vocals and bleak chords and just an exciting glimpse into what they are capable of as a band. So it's exciting to think about, you know, what they're going to do next. Um, yeah, this was just, like, it's the definition of a five-star album, in my opinion. Um am produced by Kurt Baloo, you know, as if the rest of What's On Offer wasn't enough. Yeah, you have also I got know. that in there as well. But, uh, yeah, that is my number seven, Crippled Black Phoenix and Bane Fire. Uh, number, okay, so number six. So there's a little bit of sinkage. <laughs> <laughs> coming up here. On, you, knew it was, you
1: knew it was. You knew it was coming. You knew it yeah. was coming. So we posted for, for for those that are listening. The previous video, both myself and Dave didn't know what twenty through eleven were. Yeah, when they shared that, but ten through one had been posted on the website um a couple of weeks ago uh, just before christmas yeah so we are fully aware of this and what was interesting about this one is it happens every year <laughs> I, I think we keep thinking it's not going to happen every year mm. but it happens every year that inevitably we get and it's always in the top 10 and it's sometimes it's number one it's not often number one because we do have tastes that sometimes wildly differ but there's always a handful of albums which fall exactly in the same mark. So strap Mm -hmm. yourselves in while we talk about number six on our list here, which is Rolo Tomasi, Where Myth Becomes Memory on MNRK. Yeah, I mean, dude, so this is another like late 2021 reaction, wasn't it? I'm trying to think. Because the album came out in February. Yes. So we'd already yep. heard at least it one helps. song. Um, and then we did a second reaction. I want to say that second reaction was the beginning of 2022. Mm. So we did the original one. It was just me and you. Yep. Uh, Kyle then joined in for the second reaction. And if you are from the UK and you are, have ever been in a band that did any sort of touring or anything, you know Rollo Tomasi. You've yeah. come across Rollo for One sure. of the more hardworking bands when it comes to UK tours out there. They're constantly at the grind. Um and they've always been a band that I've enjoyed to listen to. Like when they put out something, check it out. Hmm. But they obviously got picked up by a bigger label um on MNRK this year and it just feels like the time the band and everything's aligned. Um, This album is stunning. Um Like really, is he is he as close to a kind of masterpiece album for the band? Is there like maybe ever going to achieve? And no. I don't want to say they're never going to better this album because you never say never. But if they ever better this album, then fuck knows there's no glass ceiling <laughs> yeah. at all to what they can do.
0: Um It's hard to imagine how they better this. It's just it's so good.
1: The production, like, let's get that out of the way right at the start. Like, we, we sat down, we chatted to the man behind the desk, and yeah. I, I think, I can't remember how many times we lavished praise on the Rotomasi production, because it is difficult to describe how clean this album sounds mm. without compromising one iota of how heavy it is. Yeah. Like, you can hear every, every nuance of every instrument, Mm. even the keys that was the thing yeah. that came back to me the keys are prominent in the mix but prominent in that the whole or just as much importance as the guitars or the bass um but I don't know how many producers can do that without either making it sound louder than it should be or not loud enough and mm. it's consistent throughout it and it's a prominent instrument it drives a ton of the interest and what they do the user keys really 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 well yeah um so there's that level in the production then you've got the rest of the band guitars are fucking mm, chef's kiss the drums that fucking drum production is immaculate it's perfect drums perfect drums mm. you nailed it well done um <laughs> you have that and then you have the vocals and she's always had a great tone. She's always had that kind of almost kind of cross between death metal, black metal sort of screamy sound. Mm. It's in that register. She's always been able to nail it. And she's got a beautiful singing voice. Yeah. But on this album, she's married that beautiful singing voice up with really incredibly captivating melody. Mm. She's just hit it. And with the synths in the background and the rest of the band doing what they do, this album becomes just e pure joy to listen to yeah. it never rests on its laurels it delivers at times polyrhythms um it, it can take you down much more a kind of almost metalcore route it has it has moments of ferocity and, and fury which are just infused and 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 just it just it like sticks to you and clings to you mm. and then there are moments that are so serene so beautiful and so ambient that you, you feel yourself getting all emotional listening to it.
2: Yeah.
1: And they make it sound fucking effortless. It doesn't feel like a band reaching for anything. Mm. It just feels like a band that have been on a journey. you <laughs> done it again. Oh. Uh, on a journey That's to deep. deliver this album. Yeah. Where Myth Becomes Memory is, like, it's, it's a perfect album. Mm. I, I, I've yep. listened, I've rinsed this one to death. And I've yet to find one element that I'm even like, like even if I was being hypercritical, like with my most critical headphones on, I've yet to find a, even something I could remotely stretch to grumble about.
2: Mm.
1: I think it's fucking absolutely awesome. And I think when we talk about the UK music scene as a whole, um, this to me is, if not. Like the the like one of the shining stars, I think this is the best album that the UK produced in uh, in the metal genre this year. I think mm. honestly, they nailed it, yeah. and this is a testament to fucking hard work. Because mm. this is not a band being picked up and then the big push behind it. They've been at this for a while. This is yeah, album yeah. six, isn't it? Six, yeah. Yeah, so six out. Well, this is their sixth go at it, and they've delivered arguably the album of their career and on a label that knows how to push them and we can only now expect huge things i wish and you're gonna get a rant. i wish <laughs> oh. that half the energy that was spent pushing bands like the architects were given to bands like rollo Tomasi mm. who are much more deserving much more deserving of praise and everything else but no 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 God forbid we do that because, they, you know, it's so clean and it's so nice and it's so like, Rollo can do that as well. Mm. It just doesn't define their albums, which is where bands like Architects have fallen over, where that is the defining characteristic of their album. Yeah. Uh, it's how, how well he can sing or how they can craft a, a kind of pop metal song. Rolo only ever utilize those things where the song organically needs it. Mm. Um, and it's a craft... That takes years to achieve. The one of the best, one of the best bands in the UK right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got a ton. I, I saw some lists that appeared up, and Rotomassi's names were, were were appearing all over it. So they're getting it. The yeah. critics are behind them. The fans are. They can't not be with them now. And it's just incredible to see it. It's a fucking amazing album. Yeah.
0: The, the the music will speak for itself, and I think the music will take them to where they need to go. You know, th- yeah. those publications, well, I'm sure they'll still continue to cover the architects like every fucking time they've an album coming out <laughs> more than anything else. But people will know. People will hear it for themselves. Yeah. They'll be like, you know what? This is actually not that great. We should be listening to stuff like Rollo, and people should be getting behind this band a lot yeah. more. But... The album is is so phenomenal that I I can't see how they don't go on go on to do greater things. Yeah. This is just just such a confidence on this album from the band um, that the craftsmanship that they have. I've never heard from them um, until now, and I loved the last album. I thought it was great, but yeah. you know this is just it's almost poetic how good it is. Um, it's a they, different
1: gear. It's yeah. like there's a completely different gear of songwriting that they just like tapped into in on this yeah.
0: one. And like when we did the the reactions at the start. I was so on board with those individual tracks, but once I heard it as an album with those songs all linked together, it just it made even more sense and just worked perfectly well. The way they've pieced it together is fantastic. Um, I think I I love the fact that they've they've kind of stayed true to themselves and that they've kept a lot of the the kind of core elements from the Roll Tomasi sound, but they've they've evolved enormously at the same time. Um, there are moments on here that that are unmistakably you know rollo but um and stuff that you'll want to hear from one of their albums but there are so many surprises on this album that just make it all the more captivating um in particular for me the way they kind of play with the dynamics um on the album the and the contrast between that kind of colossal heaviness and those clean melodies and the warm sense mm-hmm. it just makes for such a satisfying kind of juxtaposition in the the band's music um i think they've they've really you can hear they've really worked on on how to deliver those moments with that maximum impact um every part of this album feels like it's been meticulously thought out even down the little little electronic sections that sit in the background or Mm. you know like little layers of synths that just kind of you know elevate a, a chorus or whatever um and add a bit of kind of contrast um a lot of those synths and, and piano pieces, actually, they put me in mind a lot of maybe She Will at times. Um, yeah. Just, you know, the way they're used as part of the story um, because Maybe She Will are very like that. You know, they're, they're kind of telling some kind of story throughout their albums. And I got that from this album as well. Obviously, Rollo are a much heavier band, so this album also gives you that really harsh and savage side as well to kind of counterbalance all the, the melody. But um, I think Mutual Ruin was, for me, one of just like a perfect example of how they kind of tie all that seamlessly together, you know, with, with newer ideas, but, you know, they're still delivering that kind of raw, powerful sound that we're used to from the band. Um, yeah, this is a band that are delivering on all levels, and I, I can't imagine what what they're going to sound like next. I actually can't even picture yeah. what the next Robo <laughs> album is going to sound like, uh, but I can't wait to hear it, whatever they do. So, yeah, yeah they that's... can take
1: a bit of time they can tour this album a few times yeah. i think well i, I don't, still need to see it, it. To Yeah, see it we live, still need so. to see it so like don't feel the need to rush back into the studio no. like just come back to scotland
0: yeah <laughs> yes 100 back to scotland just take that off your to-do list and then <laughs> you know if you've got to go into the studio after that that's fine uh yeah so that's our number six rollo Tomassi, where myth becomes memory uh on to number five. <laughs>
1: we twinsied up uh, on this one as well, didn't we? <laughs>
0: synchronized choice.
1: Right. So a couple of years ago, we <laughs> we back. started uh, we, we we started a little thing called Metal Epidemic. <laughs> uh and then the year that we started that, labels started sending me their stuff. Mm. Um and we sat on it and we listened. And at the end of the year, we jointly agreed yeah. that yeah. the album of the year was <laughs> from an unknown band uh, way out in the west coast of America Hmm. um, called Mountaineer, and the album was called Bloodletting, and it was fucking incredible, and then a mere two years on, the band Two years? Yeah. What the fuck? mere two years on. Who writes an album like this
0: in two years?
1: Mere two years on, Dave. Um granted there was COVID. Jesus. So I get the feeling that maybe they had a bit of time on their hands. <laughs> I don't know. Um you know what the thing about that is it's one of the things we never talked about was they did that uh, live. Mm-hmm uh, set uh, and what was posted to YouTube, and I remember sitting there going, "This is when it all falls apart." <laughs> uh, and watched it. it was like that. No, this is even fucking better. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, and so we were on board. Then we found that they were doing a new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was going to be called "Giving Up the Ghost." It wasn't even necessarily two years because this one was released early yeah. um, in the year. It's out on Life Force Records, and I was kind of like. Ah. Like, Blood is such the perfect album that how do you... Like, very much like the Rolo conversation we've just had. Mm. How do you top that? Yeah. And then Giving Up The Ghost comes in, and then you realise that the band never attempted to top it. Mm. They just continued moving forward mm. with their sound. And what like, what we got here was something that was a bit shorter. Um. But just, like, so spacey and so roomy. They mm. describe themselves... What's the, what's the genre they call themselves? It's like... like, Oh, yeah. Um, some, it's a weird genre, right? But yeah. basically, it's kind of... It's like doomy, shoegazy, fuzzy <laughs> shit. Although I'm sure it's not called doomy, shoegazy, fuzzy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, this like, clearly doesn't work. But they have a particular term that actually yeah, weirdly sums up exactly... I'm just going to keep talking until you find it. Uh, weirdly <laughs> sums up exactly what the band sounds like. any yep. um, any comforting way, which Dave will give me the signal any second so I can stop talking and he can really back to us. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it, it marries that sound up. And when you listen to Mountaineer, it is summed by the genre that the the. Kind
0: of call themselves. I'm assuming they call it was like some like, some sort of dream pop or something like sludge soaked dream pop or something like that. Something was... like
1: that, but that's remember. kind of what it is, something right? Like um, so much so I think we booked about twelve imaginary tours where Mountaineers have been on yeah. them, and all the bands around them have never been of the same genre. I uh, was like, you like who plays on that tour though? Mountaineer plays on that, tour. <laughs> but where do they play? Anywhere they want. Um, <laughs> So, Giving Up The Ghost is a much more vulnerable sounding album. Mm. Uh, This is one we mentioned in the previous video that actually weirdly starts to show a grunge-like quality, a kind of 90s alternative grunge-like quality in some of the guitar and lead uh, vocal work. But if Mountaineer know one thing, they know how to just deliver an album that feels important. And that's what you get from the moment you hit play. Uh, it's just this really important, very captivating sound. Hmm. Uh, it's so layered without yeah. necessarily being overrun with instruments. It just feels like you, there's like a depth to the album that when you feel like you've reached the bottom, oh, there's another another level. Um, it's beautifully haunting at times. The, they're, they're a band that appears to spend a lot of time making sure that everything fits right. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of bands in these genres don't necessarily do that. They go for the the common denominator, what's the heaviest riff, what's the angriest vocal. Um, And they don't do that. Mm. What struck me about this one is that, to me, I thought after Bloodletting, I knew what Mountaineer sounded like, but after giving up the ghost, I realized I don't um still in the same genre they haven't like jumped away but it just showed like an like an extra level of of musicality and songwriting Mm. that just felt different it's like a more mature sounding album but there's been no time to mature It's, it's so bizarre it really really is um it's it's got beautiful vocals like absolutely stunning vocals the guitar work is like lean uh, clean impressive and and heavy as fuck when it mm. wants to be and the structure of the songs is just awesome like mean, the, the this one they focused i think more on the experience and bloodletting did yeah <laughs> And um as a result of that, excuse me, um as a result of that, I think what you get is shorter tracks and a shorter overall experience, but one that conveys a message from start to finish. Um I had joked at the time you knew I was gonna mention this, I had joked at the time that the idea of giving up the ghost um and some of the imagery around what we'd seen in the, the kind of pre release reminded me of Ghost Story, which is an A twenty four movie, which ain't fucking Um but I think is maybe like weirdly, one of the best movies ever made, which is how my brain works, because it encapsulates the whole idea of human experience um, in a movie where nothing really happens. Um, and it, weirdly, I think giving up the ghost manages to encapsulate an entire spectrum of human emotion without necessarily giving you any of it. Um, it's weird, and like I like I feel at times feeling things that I don't think the song is articulating. But maybe it's trying to make you feel. It's so bizarre. Hmm. Um, they are that they are maybe music's best kept secret at the moment. Yeah, because I still feel like we are the only ones talking about them. Here. <laughs> like I, I genuinely feel we're the only ones talking about them, and I can't understand why that is. Because I I honestly think in the genre of kind of sludge. Um, which they, I mean, if you're bearing it down at brass tacks, they're more a sludge band than they are anything else. Um, in the world of sludge, they're arguably one of the best bands on the planet right now. Mm. Um, I, I think they're just doing something that other bands are trying to experiment with, but they have the source key for it. Like, they've cracked the code somehow, and I hear other bands trying to experiment with shoegazy sort of things but that's clearly because it's a fad and like they're trying to get on it mm. and it just seems inherently part of their sound yeah and they like they make it sound like that's how it's that's how that music's supposed to be written mm. and you you're the idiot for not knowing that you've been <laughs> you've not you've been playing sludge without that stuff mm. like a fucking mug yeah when you could have been doing it all along and that's what i love about them is it just sounds like everything was meant to be that way all along yeah. um so two albums within two years, two stunning albums within two years, and uh, fuck those where they go next. But if there's one thing you take away from this recording, and I cannot stress it enough, I'm going to say this again later on, if there's like if there's two things you take away from this recording, first being this, um, Mountaineer Giving Up The Ghost is an album that you need, you need to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's fucking incredible. So much so that Dave also joined me on number five. know oh. Bizarre. And we like you know what proves? Neither one of us likes Mountaineer more than (laughs) the other. Not that it's a competition, but neither one of us.
0: But unlike the film A Ghost Story, which made me feel absolutely fucking- You need to revisit. You need to revisit. And made me wonder why I'd wasted part of my life (laughs) watching it.
1: You need to revisit and go back and just understand the full spectrum of human emotion. You cold dead inside bastard.
0: Giving up the ghost, however. (laughs) Made me feel everything. and am like glad band that I'd watched used. that movie and wrote this album. <laughs> <Steve>. <laughs> this is you're totally right. There is there's a huge amount of vulnerability in this album, um, and the one thing, even from Bloodletting as well, is the way that this band kind of can play with your emotions through their through their music um, yeah. the whole way through this. And it's only 32 minutes, so there's you know it's not as long an album as Bloodletting, but I was. On the edge of my seat. Listen to this. Just, you know what was going to come next, um, and that that level of control that they have in their music is just unbelievably impressive. Um, they they know exactly when to pull back and give you something more introspective, and and then when to let go and just deliver this um, climatic explosion of of riffs as well. Um, but I do think overall this album is more emotionally hefty than bloodletting. Um, mm. it feels more subtle in places, more brooding, um, just the way they've pieced the, each song together. Um, it's, it's definitely more kind of slow burn in places, uh, musically, but I think that allows you to focus more a lot on the vocals on the album as well and kind of get drawn in even more. Um, I feel like vocally is where they've refined a lot of their sound um, on this album. There are there are songs where lyrically, you know, it doesn't change all that much. Um, it's not you know a huge story being told on every, every track, but it's enough to get the to get across the meaning. And in some cases, it actually makes it more profound because the lyrics stick with you um, a little bit more. Um, I also like the way they've paced the album, um, how they constructed it. Bloodletting hit me from the get go on track one. Um, whereas giving up the ghost kind of slowly burns away and yeah. then until you kind of hit that kind of warm goosebumps feeling towards the end of the album Um it felt like a more kind of complete piece you know it had an arc and an ending and i kind of loved that about it um as, as you said i think this band is unbelievably underrated mm-hmm. um and it, it kind of blows my mind to think they aren't bigger than they are but if they keep putting out albums at this kind of quality, it, it's only a matter of time before more people start to cotton on to this and be like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Who are these guys? Why haven't I listened to these guys before? So do yourself a favor, check these guys out. Um, number five is blood, uh, Mount, Mountaineer and Giving Up The Ghost. Yep.
1: And we shared number four, didn't we?
0: <laughs> we did. Yes, we also shared number four.
1: when <laughs> we talk about like booking like tours um we interviewed the band at number four and when they were asking us about like bands that are out there that we'd be excited to tour with i think the first thing we said to him was you need to tour Mountaineer yeah. uh cause Arm yeah. for Apocalypse with Ritual Violence on Candlelight Records is our number four also a sludge band <laughs> so same genre as Mountaineer yep couldn't be any more different on a <laughs> yeah. level, though. Um, so I'm going to let you run on this first. Okay. The reason I'm going to let you run on this first is because I would feel like a bit of a Kyle if I stole <laughs> your thunder when talking about this. But moreover, on that one, you've literally been like the champion for this band <laughs> for, uh, well, and this year now, a decade. Yeah you've been championing this band Mm -hmm. to anyone that will listen to you. And they've come back from a couple of years away and released, arguably, the album of their career. So, Dave, um, the floor is yours first. Tell us how you, how ritual violence made you feel.
0: Okay. I'll try and put my, my very excited thoughts into words um, for this one. Penis! (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't know if there was an album where I, where I was more excited <laughs> in twenty twenty two like this 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 band uh, as you said have been on my radar for such a long time, um and when we heard this was was going to be coming out this year I was just like absolutely pumped for this new album, um and it's it's turned out to be one of my highlights of of the year like not only because it's a, an unbelievably good album but um, we also got to, to catch up with the band and hang out and you know there's are such such a nice bunch of dudes like unbelievably nice like, the nicest the nicest but ba- one of the nicest bands we've ever had the pleasure of speaking to you hear um, a song
1: and then you like look, chat to the band and you're like no mm, that make sense yeah like how angry you are at yeah. the world yeah and how nice you are to me yep on The other end of the world, just chatting to you in a computer where you could be chilling out. You've just come out of band practice, you're yeah. sitting in your van and you're all like sweaty and shit like that. And all you want is to relax, but you're going to chat to me for an hour, yeah. Where I'm going to ask you dumb questions that you've been asked a hundred times before, <laughs> and you could be nice to me and thank me for doing that. Yeah, nicest dudes ever did, honestly.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest, you know, not every band we've spoken to over the years have been pleasant, dog. Like, you know, some. Some of some of your assholes, um, you uh, are assholes.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. A mirror, I again. Eh? It's, it's weird for that. <laughs> a a in your
0: throat there. A <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, not arm for apocalypse. Just unbelievably cool, and I got to meet the guys back. Uh, 2013, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a decade. This is your decade anniversary. Of when, your yeah, when I met the band, love,
0: and uh, they were on tour doing uh, the road will end. I've got a chance to see them at King Tut's, and like just been obsessed ever since um yeah. obviously they, they, also the nugget they dropped in that they were recording with Kurt Ballou so it was just like it was like all my Christmases were coming at once it was just
1: like there's that thing where I think we said it to them as well if ever you had to marry up a producer mm-hmm. and a band it's like about the most perfect match ever yeah yeah, you know I mean, Absolutely. there's, like, there's certain producers that you would, like, you, you ever, like, you know those bands that they were, like, if they would just work with that one <laughs> yeah. producer, yeah, everything would be right, and that's, that's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is, it really is incredible. Yeah,
0: and this is, like, even production aside, this is some of the most filthy, corrosive... <sighs> brutal sludge you'll hear from an album in 2022 Um, and it captures the the energy of the band perfectly like it's relentless it's gut punchingly heavy with all the the Arm for Apocalypse characteristics that you'd want on your album but also comes with like an extra sprinkling of, of awesome because they've released i haven't just released an album that sounds like their previous albums they've pushed the boundaries they've they've really upped the ante when it comes to the songwriting you know the structures and arrangements and the ideas on this album their songwriting has improved massively since 2013 and you could hear that they released a, a short ep in 2018 i think it was yeah um and you could hear that things had slightly changed but then when they've had the opportunity to fully flesh out an album that's for me where the the magic has happened um as well as the sludge, you've got little nods to hardcore and noise rock uh, throughout the album. Also, some really interesting clean, like post rock melodies on the the final track of the album as well, which really excites me to hear because it shows that they've still got more in the tank. Like this mm-hmm. this this album is like chock full of really cool ideas, but I know that whatever they do next is also just going to blow me away because there's there's definitely more more there that they're they've started to incorporate in their sound um the album also contains one of the best riffs of 2022 um it's fucking unbelievable i I listened to it as much as possible the track's called for doomed um Mm. if you're checking out the album and I mean, I'm wearing a down hat, but down only wish they could they could have wrote this riff because it's fucking huge. It's just when it when it hits, and you'll know the riff I'm talking about. You just can't help but sit there and be like, with an open mouth. It is fucking yeah. awesome, man. Um, yeah, I I kind of it's it's weird to think they've been on the go for for so long. Where I kind of feel like this is just the beginning of yeah. what's to come from this band. Um, I I can't wait to hear what they do next. Um, but first, they need to get back over to Scotland because I haven't seen them in, in 10 years. Yeah. So now is the time to get back to the UK and decimate some stages, um, especially Scotland, though. It has to be on the list of dates. Uh, yeah, phenomenal album, absolutely phenomenal album. Um, Arm for Apocalypse Ritual Violence. Duncan also had it and it is number four. Um, we just obviously, because we synced up and we know this shit is awesome
1: yeah it's incredible it's incredible um yeah and like I, I said before like to me conjure released like arguably one of the heaviest albums i heard this year arm for apocalypse released one of the most aggressive albums i heard mm. this year it's just it's dripping out every song mm-hmm. um is that like a band where you genuinely feel like there are no limits yeah. um and i think we got that on here it was like they were starting to dabble the special kind of noisy rock um sort of elements we're bringing in that they're just dabbling with Mm. just experiment to see if it works and it fucking works man what else can they do uh you know what i mean i i am i i'm I'm so happy for them because i know that they're a band who could have multiple times quit you know hung Mm. up and they've stuck in there and they've released like almost a career defining album now mm. and like with the new PR that are behind them, they know who they are um, and the attention that's getting pushed behind them to drive them forward I think this might be their time we, we joked about that, they were almost well I joked about it, you guys humoured me, that I think there's almost a part of uh, Arm for Apocalypse that were too ahead of their time when they first came out and the rest of the music industry is now kind of caught up with that. Mm. And just as they were catching up with it, they're back doing it to a crowd that are now educated. Yeah, but they've they've done enough to make themselves stand out from it. Like, mm. so like really a, a kind of really interesting kind of forefather of a of a particular style of music because that like heavy sludge stuff is now everywhere. It's like, like loads of bands are doing it, but the way that they incorporate it with what they're doing. Um, it once again just makes them just as interesting and and vital to the genre. Um, yeah, as like Ritual Violence is one of my favorite albums this year, and I couldn't be any happier that we not only got a chance to speak to them, but the band are now starting to get the recognition that yeah. Dave wanted them to get a decade ago. So um, yeah, and I I don't often like to tell Dave that he was right, but it turns out Dave was right. So oh, there you go. Oh, I've
0: been waiting 10 years <laughs> to fun. hear that. Uh, okay, so uh, number three, Duncan.
1: Yeah, what you've you mentioned it. You've mentioned it oh, already. Okay. So oh, this yeah. is Earthrise, Until We Rest Beneath the Winter Way. Uh, the band self-released this one, as Dave mentioned earlier on in our reviews. Um, essentially a decade to get this one out from the previous release. This, I think this is the album where we were like, Right, like post metal's now doing something really interesting mm-hmm. in the last couple of months of this year. Yeah, we we also had uh, Psychonaut had released what they were doing. I, what's he? Was our Hypno Hypnogon, Hypnagon? Hypnagon uh, where they done a post metal album? Would already the year start? The thing is, the year started off with a kind of statement of intent from Cult of Luna, who sadly did not meet my twenty. Mm. Even though I fucking love that album, where they were like, here is like the best of post-metal you'll hear this year. And for the majority of the year, it was. Mm. And then at the end of the year, all these bands just started releasing these huge, dense, fucking massive, like, cock strokes. Um, (laughs) And Earthrise released, in my opinion, the most interesting of all of them. Mm. Uh, Because what they brought to the equation that the other bands didn't bring was a lot more melody and this kind of weird sci-fi sort of hypnotic, psychedelic twist hmm. on it. It was a very vibrant album. We talk about industrial being kind of grazed, but that's what post-metal is as well. But they released an album cover that like, like fucking artwork for like a fucking Super Nintendo game. <laughs> um and it was like all these, all these kind of like kind of 80s digital colors. And it worked with the, the album is full of color. Mm. It's, full, it's full of texture and tone. And it tells a story. It's a concept album. And um, it's, it's fucking brilliant. It's designed and crafted. Like the idea that like our going into that review was, it's taken them 10 years to get the album out. And we were like that. Well, that explains why it's so well written in the placement of all the songs. Mm. Come to find out, it's (laughs) been written for like a decade. It's been lying there for a decade. So they had that then. So Mm. all the structure and all that stuff was kind of there back then. Um, It's an album that just gets more interesting the more you listen to it. Um, I found myself going back and just like subtle changes in instrumentation or a a note that's played slightly different has become like a focal point on a second or a third listen where I'm like, well, actually, that's why I feel this way when that part of the song kicks in and mm. then on like a listen a month later i'm like well no it's not that it's the it's the counterpoint the vocals are using that's why i feel this way so it's always kept me interested and it is a long but sprawling interesting album and that's why like interesting is the word i keep coming back to and not an i can that's interesting <laughs> as a kind of way because i don't have a better descriptive word it really is as is a i i don't think the band know which is clear from the way they reacted to the the kind of the internet's reviews I don't think the band understand how good their album is mm. um and how an album written that long ago can feel as like important now i think that's the thing mm-hmm. like if you chron- chronologically work this back the album to me which was the definitive post metal album of the 2010s is His vertical which came out a year and a bit after they wrote this album,
2: mm.
1: which is just bizarre to think of. They were already experimenting with yeah. a lot of those things that Cotluna would cement as their thing. And I, I was thinking as a, a musician who has an album written that isn't released and then hear another band start to slowly <laughs> pick away at the thing that made your album special might be really frustrating. But weirdly, you know, time has settled down in such a way that the release of this album just feels as important and vital and modern now. Mm-hmm as it would have back then. So, uh, yeah, I think they're amazing. I, I genuinely do. I think some people are talking about them. I don't think enough people are talking about them. I think they should tour with Mountaineer because Mountaineer should tour with everyone. Um, I actually do genuinely think Mountaineer should tour with a fucking bitch and um, But, yeah, I think it's an incredible album. And, once again, if you are sleeping on earthrise it means you didn't listen to our review because all we told you to do was check it out it was a simple fucking ask um but yeah until we re a uh, re- re- until we rest uh my teeth falling up until we rest beneath the winter way uh is my number three album earthrise self-released please go and throw them a buck um because they need it they're really 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 fucking good
0: mm. What did you have at number three, Dave? Number three. Um some more doomy post metal. That's right. Uh just for a little change. Turns out, Dave, that when Spotify was
1: summing up the sort <laughs> of music you listened to, it particularly singled out that. Yes. As he like it knew that was a genre, yep and then it shamed you on the wall. It, yeah, it did.
0: Yeah. Doomy post metal. Um <laughs> Yeah, this one kind of sideswiped us out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, the Sacramento Trio, Chrome Ghost, and their new album, House of Falling Ash. Um, my, I think my top two albums were pretty locked in from about August <laughs> onwards. But if there was any album that could have challenged that top two, this was definitely it. Um, because I've spun this and... Uncountable amount of times. Um, this is uh, their third album. Um, I've since went back and listened to uh, the previous album, "The Driving Bell," and it's another absolute gem of an album as well. Um, so, so this album, album three, is not a fluke. It's not a one-off. These guys are just <laughs> that good. Um, and in a similar way to like Mountaineer, they have a very high bar set um you know and if the quality doesn't hit that bar then they don't release it and what I love about this album is the fact that we had so many like post metal and doom albums in 2022 but there were only a handful that really kind of like stood out from the pack um and House of Fallen Ashes is, is definitely one of those highlights it is mm-hmm. it's as doomy it's got moments of sludge and post metal even a bit of grunge um but it's also it's got this kind of softer more kind of tranquil side that 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 balances it out um and I hadn't really thought about it before, but the name Chrome Ghost is is kinda perfect for the yeah. band. Like you've got these two opposites, like of something solid and metallic and heavy, but bonded with something that's something so ethereal and atmospheric and ghost like. Um yeah. and they, they play them off one another one another, like in such a clever way. But what I think they really nailed on this album is just the way they, they kind of build a track. And give you like a a sense of a payoff, Um, and whether that's in the form of like just pure aggression, like an opening track, um, when those heavy vocals kick in, and you know, and or that big like big thunderous groove at the end of uh, the furnace, um, Mm -hmm. or the absolutely stunning harmonies on "Where Black Dogs Dream." There's something on every track that will make you raise a smile and just love this album even more. and, and while while on those vocals, the, the voice of Jake Kilgore is just phenomenal. Like one, it's one of the main reasons this this album is so high up my list because his mm. his tone and his choice of melody is just absolutely on the money. Um, his his cleaner tone is where you pick up a lot of the kind of grungier tones. There's a kind of nineties grunge, some alternative mixed in. Um, but his more, like his more metal tone is one of the most guttural things I've heard on a <laughs> Sludge and Doom album um, in a long time. It's just, it's all girth. It's just like unbelievably heavy. Um, production as well is another key feature of this album. You know, it hits very hard, uh, but it's also very natural. Um, and the album like, it almost feels, it feels live at times, like mm. um, they've, it sounds like they've recorded a lot of this as a band and then maybe added in some overdubs and synths and stuff but maybe wrong but um the the rhythm and the natural flow of it feels very live it doesn't feel like it's been like played to a click or snapped to a, like a grid in post production you know it's got a really really nice uh, feel to it um another band I need to see live because I think they'd be an absolute force, so I'm, I'm hoping they come to the UK and uh, Scotland is on their, their hit list at some point, but phenomenal album, uh, Chrome Ghost and uh, House of Falling Ash is my number three uh, Number two, Duncan what do you have there? <laughs> it's Chrome Ghost, House oh, of Falling Ash on <laughs> Seeing Red Records
1: um, Yeah, uh, like pretty much everything you just said uh, like, I'd like the first track the first track on the first <laughs> listen I was like that, oh this is this is in the top five, easy. Yeah. Like I, I can't like it's the it's the attention to the craft of how to build a song mm. that it sounds like it should be easy and it really, really isn't because yeah. I mentioned it before, especially when you're in a kinda doomy world, like some bands don't understand when the riff's done. <laughs> like, this riff was done 25 seconds ago, uh, yet we're still on it. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Um, Chrome Ghost have that locked in because mm-hmm. they will revisit themes, they'll revisit riffs and motifs a lot. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, every time you come back to it, it, it feels like it should be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, I, I don't know how they. Their songs are long. <laughs> and I don't know how you do that balance without, like, at some point, like, putting a foot wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so weird. It's like they have, like, a science behind it and they just understand what that science is. Mm-hmm. Um, vocally, it's on a different level. And, I mean, as much yeah. praise as I threw on the, the Mountaineer album for, for, like, delivering, like, this kind of vulnerable side of melody, Chrome Ghost has it beat. Um, the in fact in a lot of the in a lot of ways those two albums, um, Giving Up the Ghost and House of Fallen Ash are very very similar and in a lot of ways they're totally totally mm. different yeah. uh, Chrome Ghost is, has a harsher edge to it mm-hmm. it doesn't use it a lot uh, Mountaineer is the heavier of the two bands I feel consistently but I don't know if that's because Chrome Ghost only show that heavy side every now and again mm where Mountaineer will more comfortably switch into that for, for longer sections. Yeah. Um, vocally, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like one of my favourite like vocals mm. um, of 2022. I, I, I find it absolutely mesmeric. Um, I think you're right. I think there's a element, and we've mentioned that a few times, where it does lean into the grunge, mm-hmm. like that kind of 90s of it. But it works really, really, really well. It's a, almost a sound now that I feel could have been easily co-opted that way mm-hmm. I mean like bands like um, like 90s uh, 90s era Alice in Chains at times had a kind of sludgier thing going on Yeah. so it doesn't surprise me that it kind of moves transitions really well but they use it when he wants to go heavy though I always come back to that first track and like for like, it's like a 12-minute song or something. And then in the last three minutes, after he's played the motif a few times, they just drop into this grill that made me about fall off my chair. Mm. And it made me look at my device. <laughs> yeah. Just like, where? Yeah. Why? Why are you doing this to me? Um, and they come back to it every now and again, but they never overuse it. And it's almost the reverse of the Callous Dow Boys, where... Like, if they wanted to, they could just do something entirely saccharine and melodic and shift units. If Chrome Ghost wanted to, they could be infinitely heavier than they are. It's just something that doesn't interest them until it interests them. Mm. Um, It's immaculately produced, Uh, like Dave says. It sounds scarily live in parts Mm. and really kind of live in the room. Um, And it works. There's layers and levels that they just achieve great and it has one of my favourite album covers of the year. Oh, um, I love it. It's so fucking cool, and I, I genuinely, I genuinely feel this is the like off the back. We're saying that if there was one band you need to, and I changed it to two. the two bands which are weirdly linked on my list. The two bands that I feel will be criminally under listened to in twenty twenty two are Mountaineer and Chrome Ghost. Mm. and there's an easy way to make sure they're not criminally under listened to and that's listen to them uh, so yeah, uh, it's number two on my list for a fucking reason, it was number three in Dave's list for a reason, Chrome Ghost mm. House of Falling Ash from Seeing Red Records is my number two give it a listen, you will not be disappointed
0: you will not uh, number two on my list has moved down one spot since our <sighs> mid-year oh Dave um, from a label that Absolutely killed it in 2022 and Nuclear Blast Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, i I haven't heard another album that sounds like this in 2022. Yeah. It, it I went
1: back to listen to it. The thing is, oh, yeah. I've
0: like because you've been you've went up on this one from an original review. I think we were
1: about the same grade, but you said uh, in that you. review you were like that. Listen, there's something about this that mm. I know. Every time you called it, every time I come back to it, it's just gonna it's just gonna keep going up for me. Mm and it has not moved it's still a four-star album for me Mm. but i would agree with you i i've never heard a band that craft the sound Mm. that they have the way that they have yeah in such a way where once again it just sounds like yeah that's how you do that
0: yeah yeah it it stands alone for me it's separated from the rest um the album is called a loner and it's by a band called hangman's chair uh, released on February 11th uh, via Nuclear Blast. Um, yeah, this is like, well, there's a couple of albums like this my list, but th- this is the definition of a kind of Goosebumps-type album. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never heard them before, they are a kind of French, gothic, doom-gaze band from Paris. Uh, yeah, the More doom, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, not sorry. Uh, a Loner is their sixth <laughs> album. I've been on the go for over 15 years, but they signed to Nuclear Blast a few years ago after putting out their 2018 album uh, bon Trist. Triste*. Um, and as much as I enjoyed that album, this release just has, just shows that the, the kind of band's songwriting has gone to the next level. This is mm. for me, this is like a, a tour de force in in the genre. It's it's thick and it's low and it's got that kind of rumbling doom sound, but it's got this huge coating of. Echoey, kind of atmospheric, almost kind of shoegazy. Um, The riffs are quite, quite straightforward. You know, as doom often is. Um, It's not a a genre that's known for technical riffs, um, lots of kind of thrills and stuff. But I think that's the beauty of it. Like, if this was super technical and and overfilled with technicality and you know fretboard wizardry, it it, it wouldn't work. Um, The minimalism Mm -hmm. and the heaviness just allows the riffs to knock you over. Um, and allows those kind of dreamy elements just to bleed through. Um, and when they push that more kind of haunting side of their sound, that's that's like when the magic happens. It's it's very melancholic. It's it's captivating. Um, almost feels kind of movie score-ish at times. The way they they build it and layer it up with the uh, the clean clean guitar parts. Um, vocals though are just the, the kind of icing on the cake for me. Like mm-hmm. um, Cedric's voice is just very pure and soulful, very powerful. Um, even though he's competing with some really like heavy, thick, thunderous doom guitars, um, but the way they've cleverly produced it um, with such a kind of huge sound that it cuts through perfectly, um, and the harmonies are are flawlessly placed to kind of elevate the whole sound, and it creates a, a really cool hook, um, which is again something you don't often get in, mm-hmm. in doom. But but these guys just do it extremely well. Um, if you like your doom with kind of dose of of gloom and melody then this is definitely one you need to hear um the production is phenomenal it's one of my Mm. favorite productions of the year it it sounds like 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 it's been recorded in a big massive church it's very (laughs) very atmospheric and laden in reverb Um, but it doesn't sound like it's been too overproduced you know you can hear a lot of that natural reverb coming through um, and it just kind of adds to the the size and the character of the album. It's just, it's just stunning. I like. I I thought back in July that it was, um, it was going to be like probably my number one spot. Um, and then I did like a I did like a Mike Goldberg. I was like, it's all over. And then I was like, oh no, no hold on, it's not. It's not all over. Um, my when August swung around, I deep my so words. a
1: reference from like seven years ago. <laughs>
0: um. But yeah, I love it. Absolutely love this album. And even though we're on to 2023 and we're listening to new albums, I know for a fact I'll come back to this and listen to it a ton. Um, Hangman's Chair, A Loner, um, is my number two. So, number ones, Duncan. Yeah. Number ones. So
1: I joked about this earlier on at the end of the previous video that we were about to switch places um so number yeah. like number 11 for me in the previous video was a uh, dom walker with house of sand mm. and number 11 for you on the previous video was author and punisher with kriller yes so um well, let's do the switcheroo uh number one for me is author and punisher with kriller <laughs> out on relapse records once again relapse claiming the top spot Boom. two years running two years Ooh. running Back to back, Genghis Strong last year, Author and Punisher this year. I mean, when did Relapse start doing this shit? I know. Um, like really, the, another label that has just kind of reinvented themselves for the better. Yeah, as someone who has partaken of Tristan's work in the past, I've always been a fan, mostly yeah. because, not even necessarily because I am into industrial music, which I am. He has a particular, very, very, very abrasive background in industrial builds his own instruments and his own sims and all the rest. And what you get is like basically the, like the sound of a mechanical Hell's Gates opening um, at times. It really has this sparse darkness about him that when I can't, I remember you saying to me, "Oh, the new author and Punisher albums coming." I was like, oh, "I'll be cool to check that." You like Relapse Records, and I was like. go on um and then like I remember hearing the advanced single and there was vocals on it and I was like what the fuck is going on Mm. and the album I said it whenever it came in when did this come in a while ago now this album first half of the year Mm. way back uh, February, March maybe um
0: yeah, it came out I, in February, so it must have been...
1: February, right. So I said to you in February when I heard this album that it would take an act of God to remove it from the top. Yeah. I genuinely think, I said it during the review, and I'll double down on this, like my favourite industrial album ever written mm. is The Fragile, right? By Nine Inch Nails, a mm. double album. I know a lot of people out there are going, it's the Denver spiral, Duncan. It's like Denver Spiral's right there with it. Right, right there with it. The best industrial album that has been released... Since that's my caveat, uh, <laughs> since the fragile in 1999 is author and Punisher's Cruella, mm. I think it is, it just is so thick. Mm. Um, it's unbelievable. I am still, I shit you not, still picking out tiny little elements of what he's doing mm. uh, that are buried in the mix. Um, it's monolithic, it's deliberate. It's slow. It's kind of slow machine piston-like speed, Mm. like lumbering its way through your ears with a huge percussive sound um, and just wonderful 80s-infused melody um, on the synths. And then vocally, I, I think I described it. Uh, I'm having to reach here for memories on how I describe these vocals. There's a quality that reminds me a little bit of kind of 80s era, kind of Gary Newman, mm. um, with shades or something like a Depeche Mode um, in there, and it all works. It is full of atmosphere and tone. And you're right, like Author and Punisher, you can listen to those albums, but they are just a collection of songs. Mm. The difference... Between a collection of songs making up an album and an album, is a theme, a structure, mm-hmm. something that propels you through, takes you on. Wait for it, a journey. Mm-hmm. And um, Kruller does like th- the vocals, the addition of the vocals, mm-hmm. do that. And it is frustrating to me to think this guy has had what, about a decade's worth, maybe or there or thereabouts, a decade's worth of of albums out there, and we're only now just getting them doing the vocals that he clearly can fucking do mm. so he's been holding on to that yeah um and relapse is a great Great relapse is a brilliant record label for him to be on and yes we will see him live come hell or high water um, we will see him live but i mentioned it back then and i'm telling you now i think this is like like arguably one like arguably the best industrial album in the last 20 years and I do not think we've heard the best Author and Punisher <laughs> album yet. He's only just started doing vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only just started doing it. What does that... It's the same... I feel the same way this year about Author and Punisher that I did when we were doing our list last year about Ghost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that. Yeah. he's only just started doing vocals and it now sounds fucking 100 times better. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't know where it goes next. I don't know what he's got up his sleeve but he is such an interesting musician that i cannot wait i cannot wait i love this album i like it's it's like every week it gets listened to at least once every week which will in context on the previous video let you know how many times i've listened to blood command (laughs) um because i bet Mm. um i love it I, i i absolutely love it it felt like an album that was made just for me yeah, and it, it's done well. It's done well this year. I've seen lists where it's appeared in tens, and I'm happy about that one because the guy's fucking earned it. Mm. The guy's earned it. This, this is this is the like kind of stepping out into a different level, different stratosphere, and putting everything. This is a major record label debut, putting it all on the line, and this so could have easily fallen apart. <laughs> And um, instead it solidified them as one of the most interesting industrial musicians of the last 20 years. Hmm. So I, I love it. Kruller's fucking great. It um, was always going to be my number one. And uh, no surprises there. I'm just kind of hoping that next year, like an album doesn't come in February, like Bog oh. uh where I'm like literally going like this. This will be my number <laughs> one at the end. And it's number one because there's two years in a row I've called it and. It, as ham both ears uh Mm. granted i control that so it does kind of feel like i've I've said something like that now i just have to be this way um (laughs) but yeah i I absolutely adore it my and there's nothing i know it's a great album with crossover appeal when it appears at number 11 on your list Mm. when it was number 10 on your mid-year list and i was like how the fuck has dave got an industrial album and (laughs) that shows its appeal yeah and that shows its crossing boundaries and the best it's why Nine Inch Nails are such an important band, Dave, mm. because you don't just need to be an industrial fan to enjoy Nine Inch Nails. Turns out, millions of people do. <laughs> uh, and that's that's when you know you're, you're onto something. Mm. Now, Dave, and we're going to switch it around. Number yeah. 11 on my list <laughs> yes. was Don Walker
0: with House of Sand. Yes. What's your number one, Dave? My number one album, you may not be surprised to hear, is Don Walker and House of Sand. Um, yeah, like... I've spoken, I feel like I've spoken about this album a lot this year, like since August I've just been like, Don Walker, House of Sand, Don Walker, House of Sand, have you listened to Don Walker, House of Sand? Um,
1: <laughs> On door to door with pamphlets, have you heard the good news?
0: Um. <laughs> the book of Don Walker, and yeah. <laughs> House of Sand, may I introduce it to you, let me into your home for a second, and then I have just listened to this album on repeat, basically, since since mm-hmm. August, and I and I thought I had my number one album picked um, before this, and then it came in, and I was like, "Oh fuck, Don Walker!" Right, okay. Really enjoyed their last album. Interested to hear where they go with this. And this is just this is this is a masterpiece for me. This is um. If you have never heard of Don Walker? This is yeah. a kind of collection of musicians based in London um, and led by a guy called Mark Norgate, um, who we. We had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of months back, near yeah. the end of twenty twenty two. The album follows up the twenty twenty release Ages, which we reviewed and really enjoyed. Um, this album, however, just just hits on an even deeper level. Um, it's it's quite a kind of melancholic listen. Um, sits somewhere between kind of rock prog folk, a bit of metal. We hints of black metal in there as well, but not too much. Um, but Again, a very kind of difficult band to stick a label on. Um would fit well on a band on a bill with a band like Cripple Black Phoenix are also kinda of similar and you know Mountaineer. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yes.
1: Every band with Mountaineer. Yes. And Mountaineer.
0: Um but they, they also kinda of weave multiple genres. But um just like talk about albums that are that feel unbroken and just complete. This is this is an album that just flows perfectly for me it's such a, a cohesive listen the tracks mm-hmm. are are all different but are tonally linked by a, a kind of underlying darkness um and it feels and i mentioned this before on a podcast possibly but it feels like each song in the album almost feels like a chapter of a, of a book um and the, the kind of depth and the the level of, of detail that they explore on each track is just just incredible. It just it resonated resonated with me on a level that, that no other album did in 2022. It's um, musically maybe not just as heavy as the the previous album. Um, ages. Um, there's like little to no heavy vocals on this. Um, but' it's, it's definitely got more of a melodic and melancholic streak. Um, very, very haunting album. Um, that's that's kind of shaped by these darker, more eerie melodies in the music um, and the vocals. Um, and and vocally, uh, it's I think it's an absolutely stunning album. Um, yeah. I yeah. think his voice makes this album. I think Mark's got a, such a an imaginative way of delivering his his vocal parts, the the phrasing and melodies, the tone. It's just perfectly put together. Never never feels repetitive. Um, even you know by the way they've they just thrown a little black metal influence you know i mean just to throw you off guard <laughs> um and the the kind of this almost kind of like warped effect that the album has at times which um they created a lot of using this thing called the nightmare box we talk about it in an interview if you want to yeah. check out um but it just adds to the the whole kind of final product which is just perfection in my opinion even the elvis cover which is just <laughs> cleverly original um just just so rewarding for me like even when my mind went into like analysis mode and I was like trying to listen out for things that didn't quite work or or felt flat I I couldn't find a single thing to dislike about this um it's it's about 43 minutes and it's just for me it's it's perfection just full of emotion full of complexity it's it's got an identity as well it just it ticks all the boxes and then there's also this like additional charm that just kind of connects with me and and hits the spot, you know, it just takes it to, um, another level. Um, the D spot, we'll call it the D spot. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> um, this is, yeah, this is the album that blew me away the most in 2022. Um, and, and every time I hear it, I, I get the same like buzz from it. Like I'm, like I'm listening to it for the first time again, you know, no matter how many times I've heard it, I, I still just feel that like, ah, oh, that just that feeling in my stomach when I'm listening to it, like, this is just fucking awesome. Mm. Um, can't get enough of it. So that's my, my number one. It's uh Dawn Walker and House of Sand. And there we go. That is our end of year top twenty. Ooh. Um shall we do a, a little rundown, a little recap yeah, of yeah, the of uh, the of the full shebang?
1: Yeah, I'll count then. Uh number twenty for me was Conan, Evidence of Immortality. Number nineteen was Forty Watts Some with Perfect Light. Number eighteen, Brutus with Unison Life. Number 17, Crippled Black Phoenix with Fire. 16, Cave-In with Heavy Pendulum. 15, Stake, Love, Death and Decay. Abrams was at number 14 with In the Dark. Number 13 is Blood Command with Praise Armageddonism. 12 was Conjurer with Pathos. 11 was Dawn Walker with House of Sand. And at number 10, Spirit World with Death Western. Nine was Mantar, Pain is Forever and This is the End. Number eight was The Callous Dowboys with Celebrity Therapist. Number seven, Ithaca with The Firas. Number six, Rolotomasi, Where Myth Becomes Memory. Number five was Mountaineer with Giving Up the Ghost. Four, Arm for Apocalypse with Ritual Violence. Three, Earthrise, Until We Rest Beneath the Winter's Way. Um, number two was Chrome Ghost with House of Falling Ash which means number one was Author and Punisher with
0: Crueler. Nice. Uh, for myself, number 20, Caven, Heavy Pendulum. Number 19, The Edge of Haze, The Convoy of Ruin. Number 18, The Callous Dowboy, Celebrity Therapist. Number 17, Surreption and Yord. Number 16, Conan, Evidence of Immortality. Number 15, Psychonaut, Violate the Consensus Reality. Number 14, Brutus, Unison Life. Number 13, Ithaca, The Fearers. Number 12, 40 Watt Sun and Perfect Light. Number 11, Author and Punisher and Crueler. Number 10, Conjurer and Pathos. Number 9, Earthrise Until We Rest Beneath the Winter Way. Number 8, Big Muff 68 and Swing Metal. <laughs> number 7, Cripple Black Phoenix and Banefire. Number 6, Roll Tomasi, Where Myth Become Memory. Uh, Mountaineer Giving Up the Ghost is number 5. Number 4, Arm for Apocalypse, Ritual Violence. Number 3, Chrome Ghost, House of Falling Ash. Number 2, Hangman's Chair, Aloner number one was Don Walker and House of Sand. Boom! There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is our top 20 of 2022. Um, Be sure to let us know what your favourite albums are from the year. Stick your comments in. Um, And also, if you've heard any of the albums on our list, happy to hear your thoughts and opinions. Um, Thank you for listening um, to both videos. If you've checked out the last one, links below if you haven't. Uh, We'll be back... Very soon, in 2023 with... What what has 2023 got to offer, Duncan? Well,
1: <laughs> if it's we should, half as good as this year, we're spoiled already.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, we should have a most anticipated list coming up as well, so keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube yep. channel for that video. Definitely not recording that right after this. Not at all. Not at all. different clothing. <laughs> no evidence oh, of that. Yeah. Uh, that is all from us. Thanks so much for checking out our videos. We will be back with another video very soon. But until then, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye, everyone.